it's like what they do is they give us something that has already been created. At this point in time, they're not taking into context that when we're asking for representation, we're asking for something new, something fresh. Are you ready? You got this, girl. Love Girls, the podcast is all about storytelling and empowerment. Our mission is to share a space for women and girls to talk about the stuff that matters to them most. Love speaks to the support we give each other as we search for our own path to success. L, we can lead the way. O, overcome barriers. V, value each other. E, and empower each other. That's love. Because every girl has a story. And our stories matter. Welcome back to another episode of Love Girls, the podcast. I'm Mariah, a 21-year-old college student. I'm Bree. I'm 14, and I go to Assumption High School. I'm Delasia. I'm 15. I go to Central High School. And today, we are going to be talking about the importance of representation with members of the Love Girls team and our special guest, Micaiah Smith, 2022 Memphis Cover Girl and Bluff City Essay Contest winner. Her essay was entitled, representation needed because we are not free. Makaya is joining us with Memphis Program Director Shanitha Ship and Kayla Babers, Love Girls mentor and board member. Please welcome Makaya, Kayla, and Shanitha. But before we dive into some hot topics, let's break the ice. Have you traveled anywhere interesting lately? I don't know if it's interesting, but I went somewhere new over the summer for Juneteenth. Ooh. I went to the DMV, um, <laughs> Chocolate City, <laughs> um, where there's so much culture and just beautiful people of all colors. And I think it just ties into what we're talking about today because sometimes when you're from one area like the Midwest, you see one archetype of what a person of color or yeah. an African-American woman should be. But going to larger cities like Houston or DC, you see black people of all backgrounds with all types of interests and hobbies, and it's just lit. Oh, I'd love to be there. Speaking on diversity wow. again, I have recently been having to go to Iowa City. When cool. we went there, um, we were just like around the city and stuff, and there's so many races there. And my mom said it's probably because like, there's some colleges there, so people are coming yeah. around the world. But, like, there was black, Asian, like, Hispanic. And it was so cool to me because, like, I never see that much diversity somewhere. Girl, just wait till you get on a plane. You gotta <laughs> go farther than I Yes. <laughs> yes. When I was in down in Houston, that's when Ooh, I really was yes. like, there's um, some good blending of all cultures, races, sexes, genders, everything down there. Um, well, I can yeah. say, uh, yeah, 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 Mariah, Texas, uh, Austin, Texas. Uh, last month, I visited there to take my son to college. And uh, it's at an HBCU, a small private HBCU. Um, it's called Houston Tillerson University. And um, it's a pretty diverse area as well. Pretty diverse area. Uh, lots of different cultures, races of people. Um, and quite a, you know, it's a nice large city with a lot going on. And the good thing is, is that I've never heard anything negative about Austin, Texas. So, uh, there's a lot of great companies there that young people want to work for and um, lots of educational opportunity there and lots of job opportunities. 
there. So people love it. Well, um, over this summer, uh, I got an opportunity as a lovely graduation present from my mother, which I am beyond grateful for, to travel uh, down to New Orleans for Essence Fest. And the moment that I just entered NOLA, I could already, you know, tell that I was going to have a blast. But when I saw Lauren Hill and Janet Jackson, it it just became the top um, top contender for like all my years of living the last 18 years oh for the God. best experience that I've had. I've had. Yeah. Because Essence was like, it was such a beautiful world and I had never been, you know, surrounded by so many black women, black men, just having fun in such a way where, you know, I felt safe, I felt included. I just felt like I was with my people, you know. And I think that the beauty of that, just the surprise guests they brought out, you know, the performers, the performances, I mean, I, it was it was really a moment in history because I, I really recall it specifically. I was sitting in my seat, and of course, no one knew that Lauren Hill would be coming. And people were out, you know, getting pizza and things. And when we heard her voice, the amount of people that just filled that stadium, like in that moment, I was screaming and crying. But like, <laughs> as I look back on it and as I have conversations about it, it's just like all she did was open her mouth. And in those two seconds, stadium field so I'm like where did all these people come from Micaiah, in your essay you wrote a little about the princess and the frog you stated you were excited to see a Disney princess that looked like you skin like yours hair thick and coarse but when the 90 minute movie film began princess Tiana did not look like you she was a frog for the other 58 minutes do you think the casting of Black Ariel is an improvement, or does this feed into your point of having a Black princess as an animal again? Oh, this has been an interesting conversation, and I say that because this is my freshman year of college, and I am currently on a college campus, and I am watching this physical discourse happen. And um, because of that, I think very strongly that when I look at it, I feel like, to me, it's like what they do is they give us something that has already been created. And I mean that very respectfully because I know Hallie's going to do her thing and I'm going to go see it still. But I just feel like at this point in time, they're not taking into context that when we're asking for representation, we're asking for something new, something fresh. And we know that Disney's capable of doing it because in the last years, the last few years, we've gotten Frozen, we've gotten Moana, we've gotten Raya, The Last Dragon. We've gotten all these movies with these strong female leads and we're still lacking you know, a black woman who looks like us, who's representing us and who's not being recreated or reimagined, but actually being produced and created in the 21st century, who is, who we can relate to. I'm not saying that, you know, because I saw the videos of the young girls happy looking at the little mermaid and that is such a feat and so beautiful, but still taking it to context that how you kind of touched on, I feel like taking something that's already been here for years and just, you know, kind of casting it away and giving it to us is kind of like saying, we respect you enough to give you something, but we don't respect you enough to create something new. If that makes sense. That yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Definitely. I've, I've heard the saying that um, inclusion has to be intentional. Um, do you Exactly. Do you think that um, The Little Mermaid was kind of like a, a cop out? Um, are you thinking they're trying to benefit off of the black dollar because... Um, we're a growing market economically. Um, was it just like a moneymaker? I'm just curious on what your thoughts are in regards to marketing and the black experience. 
Um, I think with the marketing and back experience point, they just have the wrong people in the room. And what I mean by that is the issue is you're not going to get representation in the movies unless you have representation in the room of the people who are making the movies. And I'm not saying that there aren't black women who are there because, of course, there are, but they're not there in such a way where they're being allowed to speak up about what we want to see because if that was the case, they wouldn't have decided that, oh, we can just reimagine a classic movie and give it off to the black girls and they should be happy because we've finally given them a princess. But the fact of the matter is you technically haven't. You've given us something that was already pre-established and created it into what we want to have. And I think that a lot of times as, you know, growing up as a young black girl, that's something that I have had the experience where people have passed things on to me and I've had to reshape it or recreate it into something that I wanted to be because it wasn't originally what I wanted. And I don't think that creating that, you know, space saying that, and we're going to go out, we're going to go out in the droves because the fact of the matter is we're going to stand up and support black women, just like black women before stood up and supported us. So I'm not knocking what Hallie's doing because she's doing the right thing. But what I am saying is I feel like the opportunity needs to arise for us to personally have something that belongs to us, that we have ownership of, and that tells our story in such a way where it doesn't lean into, you know, preconceived notions about what we are, but tells it from the perspective of who we are. Sure. I think it's interesting um, that you mentioned there are probably black women in the marketing an advertising room because I am one of those women in the room and one of none. So um, although we try our hardest to tell the story that we know we want to hear, I think sometimes we put a lot of weight on the shoulders of one person when I don't think it's the responsibility of necessarily the black community um, to make sure that we get the platform or the space to tell black stories. Yeah, exactly. So what movies and television shows do you tend to watch? It's usually like Family Feud, (laughs) MasterChef. I just like reality shows. But I have noticed in the shows that I watch, it's intentionally diverse. MasterChef, it is not about one race. It's about anyone who can cook. Um, You know, Family Feud, they bring all types of families on there. So reflecting back on what I tend to watch, I do watch a really melting pot question sidebar tangent um when you watch family you do you always root for the black family sure yep. do because sure in the name sure of Issa Rae I'm rooting for everybody sure right? <laughs> and as a half Mexican I do vote for the Mexicans as well if it's brown it's going down yeah. <laughs> oh I like that <laughs> Makaya you talked a lot about how Reedy has inspired you so what writers have inspired you the most and do you feel like your peers are inspired by writers too? I spent a lot of time at the library. I spent a lot of time around older women listening to the wisdom and insight they had to provide. I was probably always outside, running around somewhere, talking to someone sitting on their porch, drinking a cup of lemonade. And I think because of that, it gave me this avenue to get into all these African-American writers like Audre Lorde, Bell Hooks, Toni Morrison, uh, my favorite, Alice Walker, Angela Davis, and so many more. But I think that the access to that is far and few in the classroom. And I say that because I spent a good amount of hours in the library discovering and reading those books. And most of them were in the restric- restricted section. And what I mean by that is I would be going to the library when I was about 10 or 11 years old, and I would have to go up to the third and fourth floors to have access to those books because they didn't keep them downstairs other than in Black History Month. 
And with that being said, just they really made it hard for me to access that knowledge, access that history. But because so many women, so many men in my life had experienced that, um, placed that passion into me about learning my history, learning who I am, I still made the effort to go get those books. Yeah. And talking about people and readers that inspired us, Kayla, didn't you name your dog after somebody that inspired you? Look, my little puppy, his name, well, my parents' puppy, because I'm an absentee <laughs> mother right now. It's, it's hot out here. Um, what's that Reba McIntyre song Sing about single mothers? That's how I feel. But anyway. Oh, my God. Single mother who works two jobs. Yes. Yeah. My dog's name is Baldwin Babers after um, the literary genius James Baldwin. So. Yeah, and I know that your sister also named her dog after someone who inspired her, right? Yes, so it's Zora and Baldwin. Um, And now that I'm thinking about it, I'm kind of mad because if we ever have kids, those would have been some dope names for cousins, but... Are there other things in your life that you feel lack diversity too, like media, technology, toys, games, etc. They've done better in like toys with Barbies and stuff. But like with the movies, like we were just talking about earlier, it's kind of like forced representation because they're feeling like, oh, if we don't represent people, then people are going to like get mad at us. But you don't really have to do that. You can just include them to include them because that's what's right. In my opinion, I I agree that it can feel forced. I think what happened is we called them out. And because there was so much lack of when they finally put the bare minimum, it felt forced because they had to put a lot out after so many years of lack of representation. And Kayla and I were talking about previously how there's a Barbie with a wheelchair. That's so important, Like especially when I think about in the aspects of the students that I work with every day. They deserve to be represented as well as long with your race, your culture, your sex, your gender, um, however you choose to identify, there should always be somebody that you can look up to. Something I've said to my students is you can't be who you can't see. It is so hard to be the first person. And after you are that first person, that's when there is the second and the third, the fourth, because they were inspired by you. And I think it's important for representation, um, just not for people who identify, but those outside allies as well. Um, It makes it less foreign, less uncomfortable to approach people and create relationships with people who are different than you when you are immersed in it just in everyday life. And that's a great point. Something in my psychology class that I'm learning right now is as young as six months, babies can identify difference and not to like it. And so it's something that we actually have to teach each other on how to be inclusive and how to love each other. Black people are being represented as like there has to be some whiteness to it. Whitewashing. Yeah, Yeah, like. There's definitely colorism in the media. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to talk about because how because I'm a mixed girl and what I see in the like movies or shows when they have a mixed character in it. What are you mixed with for our audience members who don't? Oh, uh, my mom's white and my dad's black. So like I was saying, um, a lot of the characters, at least what I tend to see is the girl or boy, their mom is their mom's mostly white. Like most of the moms are white. 
and the dad is black or whatever they're mixed with and the dad seems to be out of the like out of the picture i can acknowledge the fact that one of my favorite books that i read when i was younger was the hate you give the character she's a beautiful dark black woman and when the movie came out we love amanda who who was the actor but at the Mm -hmm. same time she even admitted i was not what the the author wrote about and so or um one of my favorite girl crushes is zendaya zendaya represents a lot of black women but she represents a lot of black women when it's intentional to be someone of darker complexion. And so um, being aware of, thank you for the representation, but we're not there yet. You need to be intentional. And there are actors out there who are beautiful chocolate skin. There are plenty of great actors. Let's just hire them and let's be more forceful and looking. Yeah. And I just want to add a little on that. Like now with society and what like boys would like, they always talk about how they want a mixed girl or they oh, want a light yeah. skin with like yeah. boys. Y'all messing with blue eyes, <laughs> green eyes. Like, no, what? That's, that's I mean, just like I love my light skin sisters, <laughs> but all, all all my guy friends. To be honest, they're so shallow. It don't matter what color you are, as long as you just got some certain components on the top and the <laughs> oh, bottom. God. So. <laughs> Um, I don't know if you all are familiar with a famous uh, television writer and producer by the name of Norman Lear. Uh, I don't know if that rings a bell to uh, some of you, but he just turned 100 years old. These shows that he created, for example, uh, George Jefferson, um, you know, and uh, Facts of Life was another show that he created. Uh, I believe Maud was another show that he created. Um, there was a lot of wonderful shows. Uh, uh, Different Strokes was another sitcom that he created. And when you when you stop and think about those shows that I just rattled off, you guys, I can't think of any of those shows where there was a biracial um, actor or actress that had a leading role. And, you know, that was a while ago that those shows were really popular, but yet they're still played in syndication and still people still watch them and love them. You know, so I do believe that uh, the representation for biracial um, actors and actresses has definitely been, been something that has not, if there has not been enough attention brought to uh, the lives of biracial people uh, being represented on television and television shows and, and movies too, for all that matter. Sure. I it's think strange. there really was strange. just randomly we woke up and then these <laughs> brown skin and chocolate actors and actresses became whitewashed and more palpable. And I, I can't really mm-hmm. figure out when it happened, maybe like the 2000s. Um, but yeah, we just mm-hmm. made a segue. And those stories also changed um, as well because, you know, you have um, different strokes and the the story was kind of always the black plight, black oppression um, kind of exactly. plot. And so mm-hmm. we're, we're making baby steps. Yeah. Congratulations, Micaiah, on your winning essay. What thoughts do you want to leave girls with? 
Um, well, first of all, thank you. Sometimes the representation is there. And if someone has broken down that door and they've opened it for you, then all you have to do is stand up and say that I'm strong enough to walk through this door. Even though I know that on the other side of that door, there are going to be microaggressions. There are going to be people telling me I can't. There are going to be people, people telling me I dream too much or I need to get my head out of the cloud. But still, even in that moment, you have to walk through that door and say, because it's open for me, because someone took the chance to say, I want to represent you. I want to believe in you. I have to walk through this door. You can read Micaiah's essay in the 10-year celebration issue of Love Girls magazine. Be sure to follow us on all social media platforms so you don't miss any updates.